The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Oh, that was perfect. <laughs> Good morning. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the winemakers. This was a gentle pour. <laughs> I'm John Myers. Let me have a little of that Brian wine. With... Bart Hanson. Oh, Brian, 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 Brian Casey, Sam Katuri. Welcome, everybody. Oh, you say when. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, that means when, I guess. <laughs> all, they're all Brian wines <laughs> today because I'm drinking a, a Gruner Ventliner out of a liter bottle with a crown cap. Yeah. Big old yeah, fat I mean, squatty bottle. Fourteen forty nine a bottle at Bottle Barn. And 12.5% alcohol, So, which means I can drink this whole bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Enjoy. <laughs> I can tell by the alcohol percentage. Usually, if it's around thirteen, I can drink a seven fifty. At twelve, I can drink a liter. You know, it is interesting as I look at this Gruner now. It's science with Doctor Brian Casey. <laughs> Wine I got science. a chart at home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, welcome oh, to the that's podcast. That's right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry, I got to go back. Yeah, okay. That is. Um, no, wait a minute. That's the other one. That's there was another bottle that I bought. No, this is made from organic grapes. Made from organic so, grapes. Bingo. Organic Gruner Ventliner. Am I saying that right, Brian? I don't think I'm saying that right. Uh, Gruner Veltliner. Veltliner. But a Veltliner works. Yeah, you've learned something new today, Sam. You know, uh, 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 however, whatever your opinion of my wine knowledge is, um, my pronunciation is. <laughs> Fucking terrible, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it it's, might say at the intro that I'm a local expert. That's because I can only pronounce the local names, I guess. You know? Well, had you had you gone to uh, your Facebook or anything this morning, you would have seen something from um, Naked Wines. Naked Wines. Yeah, you can be a uh, a wine expert in answering only four questions. And the first one: this popular white grape is typically aged in oak barrels. There you go. That's your first hint. Mm. When it goes through mm. a cellar process called malolactic fermentation, mm. develops famously buttery flavors. Oh. Winemakers can also craft clean, sharp styles. Sounds like a white Zin or Chardonnay. Man, I want to do a white Zin and <laughs> a bunch of new oak and see what it tastes like. Put just to ML. Just put some. Oh, my God. Um, Did Bob Cabral do that? Did Bob Cabral remember did. his rosé story of his rosé of Pinot? Like it went through all different transformations and moved from different vessels to. I mean, he did all oh, kinds yeah. of crazy stuff, and then it ended up. Um, <laughs> it it was on the um, food and wine pairing at Valette in um, Healdsburg, mm. but it got picked as um, I don't know if it was wine enthusiasts or wine magazine, whatever it was. As the, there was like seven wines you need to try before you die, and his was like number five. That rosé that he he. He was, uh, when did we try it? Was it He, he at, talked. It was at John's house. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It was last summer. recorded. Last with well, it was called American Girl, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, because they're all the, the song titles. Right. Right. It's a beautiful day. Is <laughs> that an American Girl song? No, you too. But I'm just looking outside. I'm, I'm like, it's a beautiful, day. beautiful day outside. Right. It is. We're podcasting That's from an atmospheric river. Today. We are. Uh, we're at the headwaters, I think, or <laughs> or the delta of the atmospheric river right now up here in uh, the west side of Sonoma Valley at, at the headquarters of Bart and Michael Phelps Hansen's. Oh, <laughs> 
know, they, they call it West Sac. Let's just start calling this West So. West So? West So. Yeah. It's not West, but West Sonoma. Yeah, yeah, West So. Yeah, West So. Like West Soho. Man, I don't know if that one's going to stick, Brad. <laughs> Soho in the rain. It, just don't call it Cali. Uh, anyway, the answer to your question, John, is it's, it was Chardonnay. Thank you. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, See, ding, 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 ding. You're on your way to getting a $50 credit from uh, for wise. some like, if you can answer that yeah. Yeah. Uh, that John, let me break some news to you i get like a hundred and something dollar credit every time they send me something in the mail that wants me to sign up for their service anyone so that cool. doesn't know naked wines i think what they basically do is buy excess inventory no you know what that's that's just it it isn't that um Naked Wines is a fascinating it's, thing. It's actually. a gallo thing, right? No, it's not. It's a, it's a um, I think it's a privately held company. Um, Brooke Hester, yeah, um, right. Randy's wife, wife uh, uh, used to work for them and maybe still does. Um, Randy is actually uh, listed as a winemaker on Naked Wines. Oh, interesting. Um, and well, but I it's really how funny. That happened. Well, but it's really funny. It's <laughs> not the Randy we know. It's not the bandana bearded Randy. It's like Randy when suit. he was. 24 years old with short hair and he kind of almost looks like a oh it's like the thing everybody's doing on instagram right now it's like randy now and randy 10 well, years ago right. and, and so and and it's not and and it's just it's very very uh, price-minded wine and so for sure yeah. the, the interesting thing about about it is is there's a number of winemakers that i know that have gone to it and essentially what it is is if you come to them and you have a a business plan, and let's say you want to make. Um, I'll talk about uh, this guy. I know David Marchese. You want to talk. Um, you want to make um, Amador Zinfandels, um, and you have a business plan, and they accept your business plan. They fund you to go out, source the grapes, make the wine at no one of their shit. facilities, and then they take all the wine and then they sell it through their wine clubs. And um, so they're Do you get essentially. To keep any of it? Um, I don't know how that part of it works. I don't know if you're able to sell some yourself. Now, I know another guy who does it, and he has his own brand that he sells and markets himself, but he actually has multiple brands on w w Naked Wines. Because, I mean, don't you think that for 2018, there's going to be a lot of people And they're doing that, this um, around the world. I mean, there's right, winemakers right. in Italy. They're all over the place. And... Um, it's it's a very interesting thing, but you don't own anything. I think maybe they pay you some sort of a. I don't know how they pay you. I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm I'm not. I've, I've never gone to them to they, look at it, but I know people that have. They pay you by making you look ten years younger on the internet. Right. <laughs> if Randy would ever come on our show, we could ask him about it. But well, he's going to be back a couple times. We just have to schedule the guy. Well, well let's just put it out in ethos, bro. Let's, Randy. Randy. Next time you're in Sonoma or and or Napa, and, we'll come find you. And apparently we'll we come travel meet you, now or, or you can come over to um, to Sonoma, and we would love to have you on the show. I'm not taking the equipment with me to South by Southwest. So no, you just put yourself. You just set yourself here. up for something that I think you might actually have to do now. Bart. No, he's got to come. He's got to come. Uh, you know what? I imagine that at South by Southwest. There's probably some podcast equipment probably, somewhere yeah, that yeah, you can yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> can we sit down and borrow your microphones? Yeah. yeah. Just give me I a saw that. Did you see? Have you seen the listing for New Orleans Jazz Fest this year? Ooh. Yeah. Starting was, with the Rolling Stones. Yeah. yeah. And 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 yeah. on down to Trombone Bone Show. The the guys like here. third line of the is the headline of every other right. festival awesome. in yeah. the world. Like, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's another stellar lineup there for them. That's something I would like to go to. So a whole week. 
this time it's, around. It's well, no, at it's least five it, days. No, what, no, like what that. it is, it's 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 two or three weekends, and so it's always on a Saturday Sunday. At least when I've gone, it's always been a Saturday Sunday. But it's two or three or four weekends, and each lineup plays. Um, trying to remember how it went. Each weekend. Yeah, they play each, each weekend. weekend it's right? kind of so like they do Coachella weekend. now, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's and, that's and a good idea, because otherwise they would get inundated with so many people right. at one period of time. Like, you, nobody can afford a hotel yeah. or anything. And then the other thing that's really cool is it's it's at the fairgrounds, and then in the center is, you know, I mean, I guess this is common common now for music festivals, but when I, I had the first real musical festival I'd ever been to, but the food in the center is all very inexpensive and just, you know, it's all New Orleans-based. Whatever you want that you want from New Orleans, it's there. And it's made a lo- from a lot of people who are just... Um, uh, just local vendors. Right. Good awesome. Lord. Dave Matthews, Katy Perry, Jimmy Buffett, Chris Stapleton, don't know. Chris Stapleton is... I, Bob Seger you, you put a Chris Stapleton record on, and whatever your objective is in that event, uh, you will achieve that you objective. Uh, <laughs> that music is, is great music. So a lot of one... Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> John Fogarty, Trombone, Shorty, Gladys Knight, without the pips. Uh, all the way down to... Let me see the last one. Steve Earle and the Dukes. Great right. band, great band. You can't it's like a no miss. Yeah, um, no kidding. I mean, the, this this looks great. April twenty fifth through the twenty eighth, and then May second through the fifth. The other thing about jazz is you don't even have to have a ticket to go to Jazz Fest to see have like lifetime amazing, you know, greatest of all time musical experiences. Just in the city during Jazz Fest at right. all the other clubs, all the other bars, all the, you know, just show up somewhere and wait for something amazing to happen. Uh, you know, it's going to crank. Believe me. Yeah. Be fun. What do you think of that Grenache? Um, you know, I, I really dig it. I would love if they had a little Mavedra in there. Uh-huh. Um, a little backbone. Just a little, just a little, you know, because at, you know, listening to 15%, it's light. Right. It, it hides the alcohol. It doesn't, Damn it's not rosé. high. Um, Honestly, you know, and I'm sure it's it's. Um, I think it got Lodi. scrubbed. It got scrubbed. Yeah, the Lodi. You got a um, pretty though. It's. I, I was. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I'll say. Yeah. I'll say that. Um, you know, the thing about Grenache, when you see it like that kind of alcohol and this color, um, if you can, and maybe it's dry farm, so that's harder, but. Um, if you can let it go another week or two, um, oftentimes the the sugar stabilizes, and that extra week you're not gonna you know increase alcohol you know substantially, but what you're gonna get is a little more color and a little more um, you know, sort of a little backbone. A little there. backbone. No, it's not that this one doesn't have backbone. It's just you get a little more intensity, a little more richness. I think this was intentional, um, though, because you can always leave a little more contact with. I mean, there's things you can do if you wanted to have a darker. So I think this. I think they were shooting for this. Well, and there's also a thing with like Grenache, where kind of clonally, um, some of them just don't get as dark as others. Um, and you know, when you're in Lodi, what you're dealing with is you know you probably have, especially dry farm, you're gonna have to pick this earlier than yeah. you know you would if you were in a cooler climate with irrigation for sure yeah. so this is um actually clarksburg yeah um oh, this is clarksburg this is clarksburg yeah. oh uh, wait a minute forget everything Sam just said. Well, no, that's no, totally no, different we're gonna have to change the <laughs> intro local wine experts and this guy sam who can't pronounce anything <laughs> the only 
The only reason I pointed it out is because I think we, you know, if you, I think if Tegan was sitting here, he'd explain to you that Clarksburg is um, probably warmer than Lodi. Warmer than Lodi. Uh, um, because um, it doesn't see the the um, the fog as much. But I and I could be wrong. But anyway, it is Clarksburg. I just thought I'd point that out. Okay. Well, I, I think I in general. Uh, it just came from your spoils in Lodi, right? With dehydrated garlic, which is delicious, and some olives and some Grenache. So, it's, native um, yeast ferment- fermented. I, I like what they're doing with it. Yeah, I think they're on the right. It's, it's the right. <laughs> Brian's having fun. Brian's sign language I podcasting, gave, I which gave, is how you know. I gave Sam the, the, air, good. the air dap and then the, the thumbs dap. up on the Dos Limones Syrah. I love that flavor. Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's it's bright, but it's also dark. It's like it's yeah, yeah. It's and it's party. a baby. It's a sixteen. We bottled that in July. You know, I, I, the only reason that we're opening it is because I'm, I'm out of the fourteen and the fifteen. Uh, you know, I got uh, fifteen was tiny, so we kind of like tried to overlap and stretch those as long as we could. But um, you know, if the people there's a segment of our world that comes to 16600 because they hear about our Syrah. Um, so, you know, I got to see what it's like. I wish, you know, we could, we could go on vacation for three years and then come back and start selling that when it's like really going to be ready. <laughs> but I can't do that. Go yet. ahead, Sam. Yeah. Where would you go for three years? Everywhere? I don't know. Uh, there would be a lot of wine-making regions, a lot of... Um, France first, a lot then of Italy. skiing areas and yeah, a lot of both. beaches and or places that grow good cannabis, um, and places that are kid <laughs> kid friendly, and places that are kid friendly. <laughs> yes, and places that are kid. friendly They don't make wine in Jamaica, do they? Uh, no, but you know what? <laughs> they grow good ganja. Uh, I was having this conversation uh, with a group of Calif- you know, Sonoma, especially um, cannabis folks. Um, Wait a minute! Stop right there. Where are, set the scene for us. Uh, so so actually, you know what? The scene, it's, it's, this was yesterday. This was a good scene. Okay. We were going to try and go to the Sunflower, but it was raining, so the patio was closed and they closed early. Um, so we walked right next door into the Eldorado Hotel and um, went to the bar and ordered coffees and sat on the the little, like, couch. The little and, breakfast? No, not even in the breakfast. At, oh, like, in, in the lobby, in the like, lobby. in front of the front desk and had this conversation about cannabis appellations, like, out in the open, like, we were, it was regular like business. And, um, which was, a, it was a cool, you know, it was, like, right at, the meeting started at three, check-ins start happening about four o'clock. So it was right as, you know, there was people checking in and, you know, the staff was kind of getting the place ready. It, it, was, it, was, it was, the scene was actually pretty interesting. Um, and the conversation is how to establish and then also regulate and market cannabis appellations in the way that we do with the wine industry. Um, and the sort of no-brainer of it all that if you come from a, a wine perspective um, is that in order to be appellated cannabis, uh, it has to be grown in... You know, so in native soil in native soil and right. in the sunshine. Right. Um, otherwise, you know, if you grow it in a warehouse in Santa Rosa and say Sonoma County, what's the difference between growing in a warehouse in San Jose and saying, you know, there's um, artificial, yeah. And but you know, there is now places that are like Santa Barbara that you can grow in these giant greenhouses and call it Santa Barbara cannabis. But what does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything. So that's you know what we we're trying to push 
in state government because obviously you can't do it with the federal government. You can't even do anything with the federal government right now. Um, <laughs> but Jamaica came up because Jamaica is one of the places in the world that's trying to protect their, you know, their AOC. They're trying to protect the appellation of of Jamaican cannabis, but most of like the old school in the ground in the sun Jamaican pot farmers um, are all on crown land. They're all on like public land that they've lived on their whole lives, but they don't really have any rights to it. But it's sort of this grandfathered mm-hmm. thing, and they can't figure out how to like because it's Jamaica. They can't figure out how to sort of establish those people's farms within a and you know some sort of appellation. Interesting, you know. And who were the titans of industry that you were sitting down with talking <laughs> about this? Um, the titans of industry were Eric Pearson from Spark, uh-huh. um, Michael Coates, who's involved in everything in Sonoma, yes. um, Mr. PR, Mr. Yeah, PR, um, Mike Benziger, yeah. um, a woman named Gretchen Giles, who's a, a journalist turned marketer as well. Um, and the executive director of the International Cannabis Farmers Association, <sighs> Kristen Nevidal, um, Damn. who who's, at this point, really most of her efforts are within the California state government, but, you know, sort of a network of worldwide, um, cannabis lobbyists essentially working on behalf of establishing, you know, um, the the connection to farmers and farming in soil and sun um and you know with the sort of heritage even though it's a heritage that's mostly you know been underground black market heritage um you know that goes back in some cases generations but how um, did this come about how did you guys decide to get together well and what was the objective um establishing a sonoma valley appellation or yeah. um you know and, and then maybe within that sub appellations um I'm involved with a group called Sonoma Valley Cannabis Enthusiasts, and um, essentially the you know one of the main objectives is establishing what Sonoma Valley cannabis means, um, you know, as a product, as a flavor, as uh, you know, if that is a place to go, but certainly what it means as uh, a culture, which is you know again. This whole idea of it's to represent a place it needs to be grown, you know, in soil and in sun. It's kind of like they did with Kona because everybody was ripping off Kona. Kona coffee. Yeah. I mean, you you could buy Kona coffee that had 1% Kona and could still be called a Kona blend. But they really they really pressed on that AVA thing. And now it has to be there's an association. So there's the Kona growers, and that's it. You can only get Kona now from them. Right. And they do the same thing in, in Jamaica with their, uh, is it White Mountain Coffee? Blue Mountain Coffee. Blue Mountain the, Coffee. Blue Mountain. It, it is kind of funny to hear that, you know, the Jamaican cannabis growers are concerned. I, I mean, I, I wonder how much cannabis in Jamaica is sold outside of Jamaica. And is any of it sold across counter? I mean, well, I understand so that's them what, wanting. I totally yeah, understand them yeah. wanting to protect it, so people in the United States aren't calling it Jamaican. But I do yeah. wonder, like, is there is, is that well, this whole th- everything about this is, um, and this was acknowledged there, and, and really why you know at the end of the day, the differences between Santa Barbara and Sonoma won't matter as a marketing term because right now we can only be they could only sell things in Sonoma in California anyway, right? If it's Sonoma, but right. Santa Rosa, yeah. Santa Barbara, but it doesn't matter. It can't legally cross state lines. All 
it's all about um, the import market and being prepared for you know a time in the seemingly closer and closer, not so distant future where um, you know at least across state lines, and then you know probably eventually, in some sense, a, an international market for the things that grow in places natural you know best. well and let's face it we know in our business how we're still paying for <laughs> laws that were you know written after prohibition right, right. tied house rules and on a daily basis you know and, yeah. and 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 so good for the cannabis industry for at least thinking forward i mean we didn't really have the chance i mean our business has evolved so much just in the past 30 years um, with not a lot of movement, you right. know, early on. Yeah, I, I mean, um, there's, and I think that's why having you know Mike Benziger at the table, right? Who, exactly. Know, somebody Sam, who exactly um, you know, established the Sonoma Mountain yep. AVA and and is you know also established internationally, you know, renowned, you know, recognized brands um, is is so valuable. Um, you know, comes from a place where, you know, like our guest a couple of weeks ago, Tim Wallace, where they're just, you know, people who know how these things work because they've been doing it for so long and, and so successfully. Um, well, I think that's important because you're taking control rather than someone else with a bunch of money, corporation, taking control and dictating the rules. You're kind of setting setting forth the rules and right. then you're going to play well, your and, game. And so that's the, the most interesting piece and I'll, we can not get off the rant about it. Um, is we look actually at AOC rules and, and sort of European standards more than American. So we keep calling, you know, AVA. Um, I don't think we want an AVA. We want really an appellation of origin. Um, and within that, you know, if you make wine under Chateau Neuf de Pop, label under a burgundy label under a bordeaux label you have not only it has to come from these places but there's standards and practices on how you make it and how you grow it and you know hectoliters per hectare and and alcohols and the whole deal um that establish it as a chateau neuf de pop uh, as a you know whatever yeah Uh, it's a quality driven it's quality driven from the start um as opposed to our AVAs, a lot of them were backed into. And it's geographic. And it's geographic. And it's, um, yeah, it's all geographic. And sometimes political, depending right. on, you know, who's um, who's calling for that AVA. So, um, but yeah, the, the, you guys are starting from the beginning and it's quality driven, just like the, yeah. the AOC. So well, and, good. you know, without um, the federal government being involved, because they can't be, um we get to say not only does Sonoma Valley cannabis or, you know, Salmon Creek in, in Mendocino, Humboldt County cannabis uh, mean it was grown there, but it also means this is how it was grown there. And, and that piece of it is the piece that we, frankly, in the wine industry lack. I mean, you know, this is something I've talked about before, but how awesome would it mean when it said Sonoma Valley on a label that that wine was grown with that Roundup? Yeah, that's perfect. Now, are you surprised at the number of of, uh, or the percent of samples that the government has tested of pot that I mean, I think about 80 percent of them had pesticides in them. And, you know, that's pretty bad. No. And so I think, you know, looking for somebody who's growing organically is what you have to do. 
Um, the the monoculture factory farm model of anything um, leads to rampant disease and pest, and the only way to to combat that is with you know heavy duty pesticides and herbicides, uh, you know fungicides. When you have a healthy biodiverse you know biodiverse farm you have balance and those problems aren't as as severe so you know growing you know and growing in a, a warehouse you know growing in a greenhouse with what's the percent inside um so the percent inside of um farms in california is it's like 20 percent of the permits for legal farms in can in california are indoors but by square footage and yeah. by output, because it's six and a half harvests a year. Um, That's amazing. It's more That's like amazing. it's more like ninety percent of the legal pot in the yeah. California okay, yeah, yeah, market. Um, such is, a controlled is, environment is yeah. grown indoors or in um, you know light light uh, added greenhouses. It's it's a strange situation. It is. A, it's I mean, it's the worst way of growing. I mean, you know, it's like why would it really it, is. it? It only makes sense to grow a plant indoors if you're trying to hide it, right? From you know some sort of authority, which or, we were, which for we were the longest time, right? Yeah, and now you know we don't need to do that. We need to go where the sun is free. I think it's funny you because know? 51 years ago, when I was 16, we used to drive to Iowa City, put 15 dollars together. Buy a whole lid. I got five on <laughs> there it. There you go. And it was so hard. Such a, such a, the chase was so much a part of it. Yeah. And now you don't have to do it. So. On the other hand, Saturday, I'm not going to do my radio show. No, no rock and roll. No uh, rock and roll on Saturday? Nope. I'm just going this Saturday? To, I'm going, yeah, just this Saturday. Okay. I'm going to Zen X, the Grand Tasting, and uh, that's January 19th, Pier 27, which is a really nice spot right yeah. on the Embarcadero. Yeah. Really well done. They'll have 60 people. And, and uh, so that's from 11 to 5 on Saturday, the 19th, Pier 27. There's parking there. Um, this This show will be... Aired, uh, right? Yeah, it'll be it'll be this it'll be twenty four hours. It'll be old. over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So what is Zenex though? It's not like um, it's, Zap. It's like a different. No, it's uh, the same. Oh, it is. It yeah. is. It's, it's, there's Zenex so, experience. Okay, so it's but, all Zen producers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, you're gonna go really, really fun. Yeah, I thought it would be great. You're gonna stay in the city. Yeah, we'll go to dinner, perhaps something like that. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, over to Bijo. I like that. On Mark. Who, who, who are like you that looking on, for at Zenex, John? Maybe Bart Hansen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know where. Wait, is Bart going to be porn there? I don't know. Oh, but but we have uh, Bobby from the IT here, pretty the Index Tribune. Hey, to, Robbie. To Robbie. Robbie, sorry, Robbie. Be, peace I, who, and love, Robbie. Um, has clearly been working at the Index Tribune since she was fourteen because I'm pretty sure she's been photographing me since I was like six. Um, <laughs> well, she's been over to the radio station a few times and taken our photo there. At KSBY, you know. and you know that's really nice. So all her all her pictures come out fantastic. So when, get when that you shot. live in Sonoma your whole life, or you know so far, um, there are sort of like certain institutions, <laughs> and the Index Tribune, you know, twice a week um, with Sonoma news. Uh, you, know, you were on you were in the Index Tribune for like Little League 
opening day and the vintage festival parade everything and, you know every, life everything online, yeah. everything and you know <laughs> there there was way more news in sonoma now i think it's harder to get into the extra we're i mean we're doing it you have to have a podcast there you go absolutely well the <laughs> podcast will be in there and that's really cool i mean we were in forbes and inc right and got some nice press from sonoma magazine last week and and uh index tribune it's all good because everybody's really enjoying the show so that's a good thing but uh, so anyway, yeah, heading heading down there, go uh, get into the city and just hang out, park at, at Pier Twenty Seven at Uber around town, man. I'm yeah. not not moving that car. Don't move the car. No. Don't drive after going to a Zap event. I think it's probably well. That, that, I was kind of I was like, kind of getting at that in yeah, a roundabout yeah. way because I remember working those events and um, remembering the, as a staff we'd always decide okay we're not leaving here for at least two or three hours because we just served all these we saw all these people right that oh, just yeah. came in and tasted like, driving and near them don't even want to be in the same <laughs> I just county from, like, as them pouring those wines through osmosis you had absorbed alcohol i mean that probably <laughs> happens too <laughs> yeah, you just... are you going to zinex uh, i'm not this weekend? Uh, no okay, i'm not, not i'm okay. not no you know what i haven't been at um zap in a few years it might be time to um join zap i know they've been after me to join um they're really great people they, they really are they are they and it's a great event um it's a little bit of a commitment to join and yeah. um my marketing dollars i've kind of set aside differently for this year so yeah on yourself <laughs> well it's I'm a, trying to sell myself it's yes. a fun event and i was uh, flipping through the uh, paper this morning oh yeah I, and there was an interesting I had a lot of fun on, at that event uh, on zinn and they brought out a standout from robert bialy their 2017 the rw moore vineyard do you know that one uh, i don't that, okay I don't. uh and our our guest uh mm. trust getting said that um for this particular wine, I rely solely on the vineyard and Mother Nature. Uh, winemaker says it's, uh, it's the old vines in the R.W. Moore Vineyard dating back to 05 that deserve the credit for making this. That's going to be I, 1905, awesome. not 2005. Yeah, I, I Five-star okay. radio. <laughs> I think he, he talked about that vineyard when we were there, Brian, but um, so many of their wines are strictly for their tasting room, and I think they sell out, or their wine club, and they sell out immediately. Um, yeah, they had a lot the of those, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Small offerings. They, they were making a couple hundred cases, and they all right. went to their uh, clubs. Club, so. um, I saw today that um, one of the wine uh, wine fixing agencies claims to have... Um, wine fixing? Wine fixing. Like in books fixing? Well, no, like in um, taking out smoke taint. Oh. Um, one of the, I think maybe Vinovation. Um, has decided or has claimed that they have um, they've solved that problem. They've solved that problem. Yes, They're it's like all proprietary intelligence. Six bro. months too late for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have to solve anything. No, it was an easy. It, there yeah. was nothing to solve. It was obviously the wines that were damaged were obviously damaged, and we got rid of them. There's, there's no, there's no. I'm not. You know, whatever. Innovation. Well, whatever, yeah. whatever that's going to happen, it's going to the first thing it's going to do. It's going to take something away from the wine. And right. Yes, it will fix your problem, but does um, it, what does it do? But, to the wine? but what else does it do to the wine? Yeah, what, what are, are they, they doing? And, yeah. and then at some point, you know, with the sixteen six hundred model, and really, it's not different from the the Dane Sellers model. And you know, really, and what Trace just said in that 
article is, you know, if you're making wine that's from the vineyard and, and of the vintage, how much science can you throw at it before it's not that anymore? Right. Um, and that's you know, really the problem. Leave it to the vineyard and Mother Nature. Right. And Mother Nature said we weren't making those wines in 2017. Bart, are they describing what they're doing? Oh, well, you know, there's always been kind of uh, there. It's always been a question of can they get rid of it? But does it come back um, the compound? And apparently in their newest um, adjustment on the machine, they feel that they can get rid of it and it won't come back now. I mean, remember, this is sort of a I believe there is reverse osmosis or very, very high pressure separation. And, you know, it's actually done at molecular level. Um, And um, I don't know. I I, I feel that it just disturbs the wine so much. There's just no way the wine truly comes back. Right. That's Um, a true bottle shock. um, Has anyone tried to sue PG&E for that? You know, any winemakers that said we had to lose our entire well, inventory? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think they're way down on the yeah, list of yeah. any complaints with PG. Well, no, there are point. people who had insured crop. You know, either had your crop insured or your wine insured. And, um, you know, all that is probably very expensive. And also, you know, you're, I, I know these winemakers and, and winery owners who are still working with their insurance companies to... To you know, get right. their crop insurance, right? Or like, what is the value of, um, you know, ten thousand dollar a ton Moon Mountain Cabernet um, right. when it actually more than hits, ten thousand a ton yeah. hits the market, right? right. Oh God! Right. Um, and and at what point? Times and that? at what point is the insurance company or PG or whoever responsible for that? It's like, you know, right. what is the said value? You know, will we we think we're going to sell it for a hundred dollars a bottle, or we plan to sell it for a hundred dollars a bottle, but. Right, um, and then you if you know. and if you want to get really esoteric on it, what is the hit to your market share for not having the 2017? <laughs> this is something. This right. when, when you Carmen are getting burned in, in, in 1996, um, and this was one of the things that the you know the big corporation was working on was you know if they had a wine that was on a sh- supermarket shelf. And this is ni- the mid 90s. High end Cabernet was on supermarket shelves. Um, and you skipped a vintage, what was the value of that supermarket shelf space that yeah, you were right. losing? You know, it's obviously a question not for any of us local experts, but somebody like Tim <laughs> Wallace who would be able to, to break that down, you know, but... Um, and he could. And he could. Well, he could and, tell and, you exactly. And, and the thing about it is, is there is that sense of, you know, when you get a placement, you never want to give it up. And right. oh, the God, worst no. thing in the world as a um, supplier is to come in and they're out of your wine at the restaurant or store you're at. And if it's a and if it's on a shelf and they've taken your someone else's in your shelf, good luck getting it back. Well, if, if there's any, I should have there's said this so at the beginning, if there's anyone out there that isn't in our area or in California, PG&E is Pacific Gas and Electric mm. and who there has been accusations over the last two major fires here that they have had something to do with it as far as not right. maintaining equipment or lines and or all that kind of stuff. And there's blood in the water right now. So well, PG&E is looking to, they're filing for bankruptcy. Um, they're going to try and avoid paying for the the paradise. Everything. You, you, yeah. you know, they're well, way down on the list of PG&E problems is driving up uh, Grove Street right now where this atmospheric river is already starting to uh, erode the knee-jerk reaction of clear-cutting under every power line in Sonoma County. Um, and, you know, starting that project in October 
so that you know nothing could grow back and and now we're um, you but know, the mess continues. I think. Yeah, I mean, point. so coming up the road from my house, um, Cal Fire came out as a um, for our neighborhood and um, cut everything from eight feet down and below, like twenty five feet in off the right. shoulder of the road. They haven't come in and ground it up yet. Um, that's still happening. But you know what we also know is that yes, you're clear cut it, and yes, it's clear, but. As I found out across the street from my house when a pg and wire broke is that it just falls down onto the right. trees. Right. Doesn't and what the wind is doing. Right. And, and there was no wind. It was just right. that the wire broke. So um, a wet, dewy morning, thank God, on right. the right. top of Grove Street. Right. But, right. but unfortunately, um, it'd be nice to put everything underground, but it's just not practical. Elon Musk. Let's go off grid. We yeah. beg you. Come up with a solution for us. I mean, I, I think he's working tunnels on tunnels across the state. Big, big uh, house batteries and living off grid. I mean, you know, if you're going to live in the in the woods in this high danger area, you know, with uh, but see, in the woods you can't do you solar. Can you can, nobody had solar in paradise. I mean, they're in the yeah. forest. It's, it's it just doesn't true. work like that. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I can't yeah. get into my place because I'm surrounded by trees. Well, yeah, but you also live in town. Yeah, I do. But I'd like I'd like a break it from likes, PG&E you know, yeah, prices, enough. for God's sake. You know? So uh, I'm going to I'm going to take us back to okay. uh, the winemakers. Podcast, the wine. Oh, we, <laughs> what do we do here? <laughs> as opposed to boycott PG&E dot org. Hey, um, Sam, uh, winter is officially here. Um, they've, I've seen some people out pruning out and about, um, obviously it's not the best time to prune in the rain, I believe. Um, they say we don't prune in the rain. Don't prune in the rain. Um, but people are getting started and could you talk a little bit about, uh, why you might start one vineyard in January or December and, um, why you might wait till March or April for other vineyards? Yeah. I mean the, the pruning, um, you know, you're setting the foundation for, the vintage ahead and really the, the vine for, you know, much longer than that. Um, but part of that foundation setting is the timing that you do it. And as much as, you know, might look like the vineyards in the neighborhood kind of get pruned at a random order. Um, what you're looking at is, is when you prune setting, when the vines come out, when, you know, when buds break, um, when the fruit sets and, and ultimately, you know, what the harvest schedule looks like. Um, it all starts, it all starts with when those vines get pruned. You know, there are like, if you go, there was an old Italian lady. I remember so distinctly, um, as a kid, she wanted to hire my dad to work in her vineyard and prune her vineyard. And her, you know, the, the legend was that, you know, you had to have it pruned by Christmas. And, you know, that was the, that was the goal. And, you know, dad's like, yeah, well, whatever. Um, because really at the end of the day, you know, what you're pruning, um, and when you're pruning it is going to, is about the variety, the location, you know, prune a, a place later if you're going to try and, you know, lengthen the ripening curve a little bit and try and, you know, slow down some vigor. You want to prune something earlier if you're worried about, um, you know, you're worried about it not getting ripe. Right. Uh, prune it later if you're worried about frost. Right. You know, there's all these sort of different different considerations that go into that order. And at some point, you just have to prune because you got to get it done. Right, and then stuff. it's and then it's like, holy shit, it's April. <laughs> like, yeah. what are we doing? Get out there. Nah, you know. uh, because I know there's something about once you start pruning 
once the sap has started to rise, right? Once the sap then you starts. have to pro- you have to protect the cuts, right? Well, you know, um, kind of depending on the size of the cut, we try and protect them all anyway. Okay. Any, especially anything with the saw, anything bigger than like a half an inch, we're gonna put a a layer, you know, sort of this mix of clay and other things yeah. to to cool. protect it from. You know, especially in with the rain and the fog is you type a right. the virus that with Cabernet will start to rot it out from the inside. Right. Um, and you don't want that. So right. Right. and it and it sort of travels it travels in the moisture, it travels in the fog or the rainy days. Right. How long yeah. can you wait? You said you weren't doing it in the rain. Really, you got to be done before bud break. Absolutely. Um, but are you talking about th- that's a decision because you don't want your your people out in the rain or you don't think it's a good idea to do that in the rain? Both. Okay. Both. I mean, you, you know, for a lot of reasons, you don't want to be out there in, in the rain. It's um, it's definitely bad for the people, uh, but it's also it's, it's bad for the vines. It's bad for your equipment. You know, it's bad for these pairs of shears and saws, you know, uh the base level Felco's that, yeah. you know, it's like 70 bucks a pair. Um, you know, the, it's the, Swiss engineered right. pruning shears. We're not talking about, you know, made in China. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> like the pickup at the, you know, the home Depot kind of deal. These are, right. um, uh, intense tools yeah. and they're expensive and, you know, it, uh, you don't want to use your fancy <laughs> saw in the rain. Right. You know? And then also you don't want to get that stuff rusty because then you're also putting that into the, to the vine that you're cutting. So there's, you know, there's a lot of consideration pruning, um, of everything that we do, everything you do in the vineyard. There's no question. Pruning is the most important. There's, uh, I mean, everything else you can debate about your cover crop or your till, your no till. And, you know, you can debate about, um, when to pick and you can all the, um, but if you don't prune the vineyard, right doesn't matter what you do the rest of the year or really for the next three years right um, wow so this is you know this is it the sets the whole year kind of time it sets the whole year in motion yeah. yeah it's the foundation it's it's everything it's setting yeah. the table right if you if your foundation is wrong it doesn't matter how pretty your house is it's right. still gonna be crooked right um bart you want to talk about melanie for a second oh sure um i'm gonna read the email we got yeah so melanie oh, right. who was a she um, has a vineyard now? Uh, yeah, so um, she and her true. group of friends came up and visited us at the Rhone Room one day. Memorial Day. Memorial weekend. Day weekend. Yeah. yeah, and they were all up here on a wine tasting weekend, and she was in the hunt for a vineyard in Paso Robles, East Paso Robles, East Paso, I guess they call it. And we just heard from her. She had she had had a little bit of trouble getting financing. Um, you know, it, it, I think she was short like fifteen grand yeah, or something. Yeah, and, and she, you know, I don't know that it was ever perfectly clear that it was because she was a woman, but it certainly wasn't helping that yeah. she was a single woman doing this thing. And, right. Um, and so she she owns a vineyard now. So and she, I think um, she owns a vineyard and a winery. And did she? I know that there was some initial. They were trying to connect uh, with. Um, yeah, wow, when I'm forgetting, why am I? Yeah, I, I don't know. Amy Best Cook, yeah, they Amy did. Best yeah. Cook, yeah, right. they got yeah. together. Um, yeah. Well, we sent the, we okay. sent her contact information, right? But we don't Amy know. We don't know that that ever had anything to do with her getting this done. But no, go no. ahead, Brian. Read so, yeah, that. so it says, uh, "Well, guys, I did it. I bought a vineyard. It was a little later than I expected, but probably for the best. We closed on December 31st. I'll be moving up there full time in May. 
I'm going up there as much as I can in the meantime. So that's a little challenging, but it'll be worth it. Previous owners and founders are still helping me until I can get there. And I'm fortunate for the expertise. I'm excited to learn everything I can, especially moving forward toward a sustainable vineyard. I've got my first wine percolating, a Grenache Rosé. Good for you. Perfect. Hell yeah. I'm looking forward (laughs) to releasing it in the spring. It'll be the first wine with my name on it. The acidity out here is unreal. It's going to be awesome. Now that it's official, love to have you guys come visit. I love your road trip podcast. And if you find yourselves in Paso Neck of the Woods, love to host you. Wish I was more of a winemaker to interview, but maybe in a few years. (laughs) Still love listening to you guys every chance I get. And tell Curry, thanks for following us on Instagram. (laughs) I really think he and uh, Barley Von Doodle uh, would have a lot of fun running the vineyards together. Best wishes for the new year and keep up the good work, Mel. Hey, that's fantastic. It really is. It is. She started, she tried, got it done. Damn it. I I I actually do think we we should interview her at least once a year. And and yeah, watch I mean, that progression. The progress, Absolutely, yeah. you know? status report. Yeah. yeah, status report. I'd love yeah. to sit rep. She's get a, her, a sit rep. <laughs> get her one month after on you know vineyard in a winery. And yeah, just like how big is the gap in her mouth? Like oh my, <laughs> I'll bring the God. tissue. Right. Yeah. So you know, so the question is, is um, is a seven? If a seven's happening, is a seven happening? Um, I don't know. If it is, that would be a reason that we'd probably go down for that. So, well, m- you know, maybe we reach out to uh, Sasha Verhe, and he's yeah. got a rental house down there. Maybe we just take it on there the road go. and hit up a few different people down there. Yeah, uh, yeah. We could I'd, definitely do a uh, get a month or two's worth of podcast out of a weekend and pass it over. <laughs> Six really days good. on the yeah. road. Well, <laughs> after editing, maybe down to two shows. Right. <laughs> we get 20 solid minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, no, it wouldn't Perfect. be like Grenache Day. It would be, you know, they, they would be all good shows. <laughs> or like I'm Room sure. 222 or whatever it yeah, was. Those are good shows. Right? Those are good shows, honestly. <laughs> no, I could do it. You could do a week on the road. Seriously, why not? <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all expense, all, expe- all expense paid, no problem whatsoever. I've got all, the points, Really, man. all expense paid. You got Hear it. that, Podfather? You heard that. <laughs> Who's covering this? <laughs> Radio well, Misfits, we've Podcast all- Network. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> he likes it when you say it like that. So. <laughs> God, well, hey, I'm I'm all for getting her back on. So that started Memorial Day yeah. last year. Yeah, remember we had them at the own room yeah, and they right. were all out back. We had a good time. Yeah. Right. That, I think that's probably the most people you've ever had at a show, too. Right. Uh, probably. And hey, can we just. Uh, Except maybe room 222. There was a lot of people. Yeah, we had a lot of people piled on that bed. (laughs) Um, Can we get a shout out to Tackett Family Vineyards? um, T-A-C-K-I-T-T Family Vineyards. um, That's down there that she has been working with and they're friends of hers. And um, they do a a great job. And and that's what she's purchasing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know if they're going to change the name or if it'll be. um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but cool. if you see those, congratulations, uh, Melanie. Yeah, can, congrats, Mel. And, and I say, I say, bring a box of tissue, and and I say it in jest. I'm sure you're gonna have a great time, but it's gonna be challenging, and but it'll be fun. It's the greatest way to ruin your life. Totally. Right? It really totally. is. You know the best way to make money in the wine business. <laughs> Stay start, out. Start with a lot more. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. Ways of glory. <laughs> small fortunes become start from large it's, fortunes. But it right. is glamorous. It is glamorous, right, Sam? Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Podcasting in the rain. Podcasting in the, in the rain because it can't uh, ruin the atmospheric river. That's so strange. I mean, we're getting, what, a, a easy an inch or more a day? Easily. Um, we're, it's, it's 
about that, right? And, yeah. Um, I mean, you have to be completely saturated. Now. It's it's starting to get there, um, which is you know it kind of came the way you want before this, which is you know slow and steady and you know on and off. Um, but this is a big one. We'll see what happens. It'll be some you know there'll be there'll be erosion, there'll be damage, um, kind of like there always is. But, but the it won't snow, be bad. man. It's oh man, be beautiful. And you're MLK skier. weekend, MLK weekend in Tahoe after an epic one like this, um, almost worth all the traffic. Right. Almost, really almost worth an eight almost, hour drive. Almost worth, <laughs> you know, dealing with the parking lot and the, and the, you know, two runs of powder if you're lucky before it's, uh, you know. So talking about erosion, we had an interesting thing happen um, last week during the rain. I was out, uh, out in the yard clearing some ditches and stuff and, all of a sudden, water started coming out of the ground. Mm. And I'm thinking, I don't think I have any water pipes there. I can't imagine what it is. So I go to, and I start get my shovel and start digging backwards. And it appears that it's just a gopher hole. Mm. And gopher. But I'm now I'm thinking, well, somebody's got a broken water pipe. Or it's an aquifer. Or it's, it's an a, aquifer. Uh, Bingo. Right? right? Gopher hit a spring. Free water forever, Bart. Uh, whatever. How many so, acres are you on right here? Uh, just over two. Can we plant? So I can we start... plant like one of them? <laughs> it's all oak trees, Brian. There's oak no trees cut them down. Forest. Get PGE yeah, yeah. out here, right? So I start walking up the hill, and then I see water coming across the ground up above. So I'm now I'm thinking my neighbor's water pipe is broken. Well, no, what's happened is they're back flushing their pool, and the ground's so saturated it's running off, and it found a gopher hole. And from about 300 yards away, the gopher hole found its way into my yard and was percolating out. So, so is Bill Murray their pool boy? That's what I'm <laughs> right. And is there a baby Ruth in there? I'm all right. All right. Um, what else is going on, Brian? Uh, I want to shout out uh, Costco. Huh? Costco. Costco. Huh? Is no longer selling Roundup. Oh. Cheers! Shout out to and I think Wait, France nationally, was, nationally no longer selling Roundup. Yes. Wow. Wow. So that is uh, well, what, what, what brought that about, though? Do you think? Um, maybe somebody told him it was poison. I don't know. You, I I, I got to dig in further, but um, that's a you know the direction that we should be going. Um, well, did we talk about the fact that Sonoma, at least in the parks, is not using Roundup anymore? I think they, that was just uh, right. But new... did we talk about it on the show? I don't think so. I mean, that's that's it's a, a it's, huge it's a, it's, move for big. Sonoma. All, and you know, you think about, I mean, it like, could be more, but uh, along the bike path counts in that. There's, right. a, you know, it's a high traffic, high, you know, talking about the plaza. Um, so that's a, also to think about then, you know, that everybody was bringing their kids to the plaza and. Potentially where they were spraying right up the whole time. Yeah, what, you don't what, need that. What are those signs? So I drive the back roads a lot, and I, you see those signs that say no spray. And right. it'll say no spray from here or no spray so, after so the sign. So that's or, a property owner that doesn't want the county just spraying. You know, the county just blanket sprays four feet or so off of the road mm-hmm. um, everywhere. And, and then, ra- Roundup is what they used to or use? some sort, some of, sort of herbicide. Yeah, it's, it's all... Yeah, it might not be brand name Roundup. But, right. So but if you put a sign out, then they know not to, or are they supposedly. legally bound to if you put a sign out? So, supposedly, I mean... And that's, that's also why you put organic farm signs up. You know, they're supposed to not spray those, right. huh. those properties either. 
Okay. Well, who wants it? I mean, honest to God. Uh, uh, you and, know? And now they're finding it in everything. I mean, our ad agency used to do so much in the cereal market and cereal bars, granola, et cetera. Everything they tested except Kashi. Except Kashi, which is owned by Kellogg's. And all the other stuff for Kellogg's is GMO. Uh, Kashi is not. That's the only product that was not uh, contaminated by Roundup. Um, Glyphate. Glyphate. Glyphosate. Glyphosate. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a really good idea because they're finding it in in organic wines. They're finding it in lots of wines everywhere. So, you know, let's back on out of this. It takes a long time to get out. But it's a a very positive move. We've been talking about a a Roundup-free Sonoma County for a long time, Sam. Uh, years we're a long way and from yeah a long, we're a long ways away from mm, yeah but well they've they've made you know a, a good foundation you know they, yeah, they declared the right it a, a potential carcinogen number one and number two people are starting to ban it at least in public places uh, but yeah you, you, you know it, it's not a good thing hey all. um speaking of kashi sam are you making a kosher wine this year <laughs> Uh, yeah, we um, is Kashi even a, a Jewish thing? Is that like a Jewish thing? No, that I, name? I, I don't. I think it's. Why did you think it might have been? Because it starts I, with a K. I don't know. Sounds kind of like well, kosher. when sounds. when you make something kosher, it's it's like or like kosher law is like kashrut. So there is you're not you're not totally off. Um, not that far. Off. I'm but not you're completely also racist. Totally <laughs> no, but Kashi, um, Kashi is just a a brand. No, I think it's and not I even ignorant. It might even be like <laughs> more of like a Sanskrit or Indian thing. Um, but I think okay. it's ancient language. I got your back on this one, Brian. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, um, ancient text from the 1300s. Kosher rosé. Kosher rosé. What I've found is if you put enough modifiers in front of something, you can always be the world's first. So we're making um, the world's first organically grown Napa Valley direct pressed kosher rosé that I know of. <laughs> are are there enough Jewish hipsters to drink that? Um, you know what? It tastes so fucking good that I don't think it matters. Right. What, it, that's it the most. Good. That's it the most important so thing. Good. It tastes so great. It tastes a so lot good. of people aren't going to care, yeah. but there is going to be people that. Thank you, Robbie. There is going to be people that are Peace. totally into it. Yeah, and I, you know the goal is. Um, it, it really just it tastes really good. We're making it uh, with Braden Albrecht and the team up at My Commas Vineyards. Um, the grapes are grown at Soda Canyon, Napa Valley. And um, the goal is to, you know, have it uh, showing up at people's doors in time for Passover uh, yeah. in April. So, you know, we're going we're to bottle it into a bunch of magnums. The idea is, you know, really it's it's for having a party. And if the party happens to be, you know, a Passover Seder or mm-hmm. Shabbat dinner mm-hmm. or, you know, hanging out at the pool, mm-hmm. it'll it's still going to taste really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you can get a lot of that pre-sold before it's even released. Well, that's the, put the word out yeah, yeah, for yeah, next yeah. year. Put the word out. Yeah. Um, People are buying already. There's only, stuff. you know, we're going to make 65 cases that are so actually oh. the Mayakamas, the owners, the reason that Mayakamas has a kosher wine, wine program, um, they were purchased by the Schottenstein family. Okay. Um, you know, like DSW shoes and a big retail, um, Jewish family out of Ohio. Um, uh, that wanted to make kosher wine because they they you know keep kosher, um, so we had a place to you know make wine under under kosher rules, and um, made it, and and then the Schottensteins tried it and said, oh my god, this is delicious. We we want to put some under the Mayakamas label too. So there'll be um, as far as I know in the hundred and thirty years of the Mayakamas vineyard 
and winery existing. Uh, it's the first time they'll ever put out a Grenache wine. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of first. It's a whole lot of Planting fun. Planting the flag over there. Um, you know, it's small enough that I'll be busy for a while, but not so big that it'll, you know, take over. But, um, you know, it's a fun little program. And I, and I think, you know, if this works, eventually we'll do more 16600 under this kosher program um i think you'll be surprised a little bit of grenache a little bit of zinfandel yeah i think Um, it's going to be a big thing it's a thing you know and and we're already in new york anyway so that's a big part of the new york market yeah um and the shot have a connection in miami and i got la so you know those are sort of like the three (laughs) places that it'll be yeah Yeah. and then you know around here you're you're out of the 65 cases already I hope so. I hope so. I hope that we have a bunch of Scott. podcast Scott. listeners. Who so you know what? <laughs> go to sixteen six hundred dot com. Go ahead and uh, write an email to Send me uh, an email. Sam and say, "Hey, I want to make sure that I get some of that yeah. um, kosher grenache rosé." Look what the hell's uh, Brian's pouring? Who? Grand Vin de Bordeaux. Well, hold on. O- First, of all, let's, let's go through this. So we tried the the uh, Gruner Veltliner. We had the. Bart, how do you say that? Kirchhoff? So Kirchhoff, Grenache, and you've had... Kirchhoff. Kirchhoff. You've, yeah, um, you've had some of those wines before. Yeah, um, he, uh, he was winemaker of the year in the Chronicle a couple years back. Okay, and we were drinking the rosé last week when Ben Larks was here, and he right. was saying he was just at a wedding in Tuscany of the winemaker, and they were pouring that rosé at the uh, wedding. Right, and the and what was the connection there, though? Well, his uh, the oh the uh, glass the glass sales very nice beautiful articulate um, um, incredibly uh, nice woman that sells him glass um, married that winemaker instead of being my second wife. (laughs) So so we're we're happy for for them both, I guess. Um, and then and then we tried um, sixteen six hundred the sixteen dos limones Syrah, Yummy. Sonoma Mountain not yet released but this is the one that's co fermented with the Viognier skins. This is the eleven second time right? Oh, 16. 16. Okay. And then uh, Bart pulled open a Dane Cellars Valeria. Always one of my um, favorites. Right. So this is the how many gold medals uh, does this one have? This has um, one gold medal and one double gold medal. Sam, does he make Chenin Blanc? Also. Yes, but that is only <laughs> yeah, that the, only the, gets silver and bronze medals. That wine cannot. I, I I would hesitate to say I can't buy a gold medal for that Chenin Blanc. <laughs> Can I don't know if anybody could buy a gold medal for Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc is silver. It looks like silver medal wine. You know, it's oh, silver. Sam. It's silver. Ouch. <laughs> it's actually more golden. Than yeah, I guess silver. it might be. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Some stirring on the leaves. Yeah. So so now we've we've evolved to the. John, did you bring this? Yeah. Okay, so the From Bordeaux. Todd Jolly at Sonoma's Best. Well, I figured that was from regular Sonoma's Best attendee. And well, but see, but else. here's the other thing. It's also from Psalm Select. Yes. And our um, we have a, a, a guest coming up on uh, the wine. Uh, those of you that have seen the movie Psalm, you yeah. might one, know two, or three. one of our future guests that's coming up soon. Yes. Yeah. You want to go ahead and announce? No, no I like the tease. No, we'll tease, no, tease, no, tease, tease yeah. You have right, to fine. listen next week. It's tease, one tease, of the geeks, tease, baby. One okay. of the geeks. As somebody okay. who spent a lot of time looking at, at maps, index cards, and maps. Yeah. Well, got to thank uh, Todd Jolly for um, this. He he's been turning me on to five bottles French wine under hundred bucks with tax out the door. Not too bad. 
Now, I was not really shot with the Chinon that I got this week, but it was uh, it was new Cabernet Franc, and uh, it was just um, it wasn't quite what I had last time. But it, it's all just simply different and beautiful. It's, it really all comes down to is it my taste or not? That's it. Beautiful <laughs> wines that aren't my taste are still beautiful wines. Right. Well, and, you know, the thing that you got to do with a hundred dollar five pack is I'm sure that the way Todd makes it work is. There's going to be a couple of steals and a couple of duds, and you know they kind of balance out the twenty, you know, that twenty dollar a bottle average. Um, but that's but, fine for me. Yeah, you know, going over there, dropping it a little bit, and getting the nice thing is the selection. You got right. five different things, and of course, one's a you know white burgundy for Joan, and you know it's something we start with. It's perfect, and the pears are fantastic right now. So man, it, slice some cheese. Pears. Pears are good. One right of those. Oh, man, it's beautiful. Um, nice thing. You know what else is happening right now? And I'm going to post this picture on social media. Um, the mushrooms, the chanterelle mushrooms Ooh. in Sonoma Mountain are exploding. And because there was this big rain coming in, if you knew of a chanterelle mushroom spot, you went and did a little bit of harvesting in the last couple of days. So I just uh, had a, uh, a buddy show up at the back door of the tasting house before I came up here with a with a box full of chanterelles. He didn't give me the whole box, but I, I did get a, a couple of really nice. Nice. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe a little butter, a little shallot, and... A little olive it. oil, Sam. Can we talk olive oil for a sec? Oh, yeah, let's talk olive oil. So, we so olive when oil. Bart and I were heading um, to go see Tegan and Lodi, um, I parked my car over at the 8th Street warehouses, and, and um, I was a little bit early, and lo and behold, there's Paul. And so I run into Paul. <laughs> Paul he just was, shows up mystically. <laughs> he was getting something from Stone Edge. I don't know exactly what he was doing. but um, So I invited him. I'm like, hey, man, we're going to go see Tiki Pasolac. We're going to go. You, you need to come. Just and get he, in the car, man. We're, like, we're going to Lodi. And he was so torn. Because <laughs> but he's like, but I have to work for he's, Sam. He's like, I'm supposed to be like um, bottling and labeling olive oil. And I said, can that wait? Like. Yeah, he, he really did. Um, but he for like five minutes, he re- he really went back Wait, and forth about whether he's supposed to say that. I know, as his you're boss. supposed to go. <laughs> oh, I'm glad he stuck with the job at hand. Yes. <laughs> he was. Um, good. He <laughs> was good. Our company culture is a little different than that. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Millennials, if you're looking for a job, Sam is an incredible <laughs> right. boss. We don't pay, but the benefits are great. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be appreciated for your lack of hard work. <laughs> I know a lot of jobs like that right now. <laughs> Chantrell's. Um, Shiso, mm. panko crumbs, flash fried, awesome, just beautiful. Wait, wait, I got to get back to the olive oil though because okay. that olive oil is still the best olive oil that I've had. Um, and I just used the last of my olive oil, which I probably held on to it too long. So I think I've had it a year because it was from last. And, and you know, what, you can. I, I'm using my 17 oil to cook with now, so okay. you know, you can you can still. It doesn't. It just. Those amazing flavors that just like don't make sense because you've never had olive oil that tasted like that yeah. are the part that is the fleeting, you know, freshness is crucial kind of key. But um, I, I, I think want- we need to do and, and this will step on the toes of the bite goes on a little bit, but. I'd like to have your mom come on and talk about olive well, oil. We yeah. need to do some like crossover episodes anyway. Right. So maybe we, we get, got one in we the works. Sandra we and my mom, works. two, Ooh. two uh, girls from Philly, by the way, uh. um, 
And doing olive oil tasting. Yeah. I mean, because it's uh, it's always so amazing to me. I just recently was given a bottle of Beltane Ranch um, olive oil, um, of, of which is another story that we're going to tell here on the podcast of their incredible piece of property. But... Um, um, is is that the aromas that come off of Sonoma Valley? I'll say I, I can't mm. say California because I don't know it well enough. Well, and the, but Sonoma Valley olive oil is uh, amazing. Yeah. The pet, the pepper flavors, and the way it coats your entire yeah. mouth—it's completely different. But how much? How much do you guys make? And does it only go to wine club members? Um, it basically only is sold in the tasting house. Okay. Uh, you know, I do occasionally offer it online to the club members, but you know, we don't have enough really to even do that um especially this year and the wait wait how come this year because because uh, wine the, yeah, yeah wine was, the, was crazy so how come olives weren't olives the same? are cyclical and some years are good and some years are really bad and this was a year where there just wasn't there was trees that just didn't have any fruit on them wow, those trees weird. had a lot less fruit there was some fruit fly damage which is sort of this ongoing problem um so you know i think we Probably made and bottled a third of what we did last year. Wow. Um, and and to kind of stretch it out, we put it into, we used to bottle into 500 milliliter bottles. We're now bottling into 375 so that there's a little bit more of a chance for people to, to get a bottle or two of it. Did you um, have to change a label for that? No. We, you know, my label for the olive oil is the minimalist. It's a, it's a drawing a, a watercolor that artistic Alice did. oh uh, i didn't know alice did, did that picture and, it's beautiful um yeah. it's circle it's a circle so that i we can never put it on crooked because it's all hand bottled <laughs> and it just it doesn't say the date it doesn't say anything on it just it's this piece of art on a circular sticker and we put it on the bottle so it still fit on the smaller bottles nice yeah. and it's but never if, crooked if you're using it to dip that's fabulous. It's the best oh, yeah. I've had. Yeah, it, so you know, I've never good. never had a chance to buy anything other than, you know, Bertoli or, you know, whatever is out right. there. And now right. now that I've been through a course with your mom, right. it's phenomenal. Now you, I buy, I don't buy anything that doesn't have that date stamp California board on it. Right. Because she was very involved in getting that legislation through. Right. And um and it makes all the difference in the world. You've got some really nasty yellow green stuff, you know, the big cans. Well, I mean, if you ever see the <laughs> 60 Minutes expose and many right. others. Yeah. Is, Great you know, book, Extra Virginity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is what is one olive oil? It's probably not olive oil that you, what you buy is probably not olive oil, and it's most likely not even close to being extra virgin. Right. Or And the thing that matters, and this is the thing that that John was just talking about is the only thing that matters on your bottle of olive oil is it has a harvest date, not a use by, not a best buy, not a good till or whatever. It has to say at the very least the, the year, if not the, the season and you know, most, you know, obviously you want the specific day, but it, usually you'll get the month um, that it was harvested. And, and it, if it doesn't say that, if the olive oil that you're buying and, and if it does say that, and if it's it, that date is more than a year ago, it's it's not worth buying. Yeah, it's not worth spending the money that they're charging for it. Because that's the thing. You know, olive oil is expensive. You know, if you if you priced out twenty dollars for three seventy five as a per gallon price, it's it's outrageous. Yeah, go to Costco. Um, it's a different model. But yeah, frankly, what you're spending at those for those oils for what you're actually getting is is 
you know, really the outrage. So yeah, no, and and we do an olive oil tasting at the at the Fairmont at the hotel, and and we have had your olive oil there before, and um, it it goes really fast, and I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. I'm too embarrassed to ask for more because we, you know, it's not a it's not a big uh, sales thing for you guys right. but it is one of those things where people actually get to taste oh yeah that's no, you know actual what? I, I, olive oil let's let's talk about this because I, I would you know I'll, I'll pull six bottles aside or something because you know really at the end of the day it, it's so hard and so cost prohibitive to make olive oil the way that we do we could never make enough for to satisfy even our own needs let alone you know customers and club members and um so people don't get you really like don't have the opportunity to taste something like that so i'd like that you know if obviously it's not about the sales numbers if we made if it was about the sales numbers we wouldn't make olive oil at all um so you know that education piece of it um you know that opportunity to taste something that you just don't get to taste is is worth it for me i mean because you guys farm olives for some of the estates and ranches that you farm, yeah, you don't. I mean, you, it's 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 a side business. It's there's not. Do you have any just olive orchards that you guys farm? Not anymore. Yeah. Um. You know, at one point, my dad and I probably mentioned this before, and we'll get when we get Phil in here finally, get him off of an airplane and out of a tropical place with the rock and roll stars. Um, he and Bob Kennard and Lorenzo Petroni imported thousands of olive trees in the early 90s and, and really at the beginning of the California olive industry, olive oil industry and propagated them and sent them all over the state. Um, and we had some you know clients that just planted olive orchards yeah. and olive groves. Um, now it's a sort of, you know, A, it's the lifestyle wine and olive oil, um, but we also the olive trees represent a piece of, you know, biodiversity, a piece of right. satisfying biodynamic requirements right. to not have only your cash crop. Um, and, you know, they also they represent also peace. And they're beautiful. Because an olive branch yeah. is peace. Right. And, you know, the the line that the old Italians say that at least my dad repeats um, is that you plant grapes for your kids and olive trees for your grandkids. Right. And olive trees will last a thousand years if you let it, you know, so... Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always amazing to me whenever a new house is built here and you see these old olive trees coming into town on the back of flatbeds. I yeah. saw one today. Yeah. You know, and that's most good work likely, if you can get it. Those things are yeah. fucking expensive. And and those yeah. and but then I think about you used to be used to drive up I five north of you know getting up towards Redding, Corning, Corning, and yeah. there were huge, huge olive trees right alongside the road and. I think those have all been dug up and transplanted yeah, all over the United all were States with like yeah. fifteen and twenty thousand dollars price tags right. on them. I have a couple in the backyard that must be, I don't know, seventy-five feet tall. It's ridiculous. What? Well, they probably they, came oh, in. They're huge. They probably, you know, who, they need to be topped. You know, who, yeah. You, well, the, the one in the front is all, all okay. Right. The one in the back can't be topped. It's way too high. I mean, it's Mike, it's up Mike in the redwoods. Lee, when we would talk about all <laughs> trees, Mike Lee used to always recite. Um, the Bible of all things, because in the Bible, all of, they're not referred to as trees; they're all of bushes. Mm. And he used to always say that they're not supposed, yeah, to, be they're not supposed to be trees. ten feet right. tall. They're supposed to be, you know, or maybe twenty feet tall, but they're supposed right. to be more compact and that makes it a little easier to harvest. And well, what you see, the the um, really the only way to produce olive oil at scale with you know any real economics is. 
Um, they basically look like vineyards. It's it's super high density. These little small plant, you know, um, and it's all mechanically farmed, mechanically harvested. The problem is those trees actually, the way that they farm them, they have a lifespan of more like twenty five to thirty years. Wow. If if that, maybe more like fifteen to twenty. So you, know, you have to plant them more often. Um, it's you know s- the same goes for you know really high intensity grape farming also. Um, then you know they do in places where you know land is cheaper also so yeah yeah, you know the the olive oil again for us it's it's the as my mom it's my mom says it's the most expensive way that she can have really good olive oil in her kitchen (laughs) she can just buy it it would cost a lot less but she did so much that's the key she left her stamp on it really really well done uh the time has come for me to say brian what else? Um, hey, I know uh, Philippe Cambin, I think uh, Michel Gassier are in the United States. At least on the West Coast, yeah. Somewhere yeah. on the West Coast. Eating so well in Seattle. Hopefully. Um, look forward to that. I would like to mention uh, when this podcast comes out that I think our sister podcast, The Bike Goes On, will have Chef John Ash. Um, yeah. I think we'll be on the show, which will be kind of a cool thing um, for us. You guys have been getting some, you guys have been all over the place getting good guests with that one. And um, how was the fancy food show? Fancy food show was overwhelming. So there's 1,400, I think, people that come and show their products. Um, and so Sonner and I sat down and interviewed with five different people, Ron, starting with Ron Tanner, who was actually runs the entire operation. Most exciting thing for me was Rebel, R-E-B-B-L. They do uh, drinks where they um, a lot of the profits go to... Um, um, human trafficking and um, um, climate change. <laughs> the profits um, go to human trafficking. They're they're giving money to fight human trafficking. Sorry, and that's yeah. Sorry, I didn't I, do know, that correctly. It's, it's a softball. Um, sorry, but um, um, yeah, it was a little overwhelming being at that show. There's just so many things, but most of it when I when I walked around was all um, it was like health health stuff, like uh, food, you know, that's good for you. Um, not that kale I, chips, all kinds of stuff. That's like kind of that. five years unbelievable. ago. Unbelievable. All these like super <laughs> herbs and bioflavonoids and stuff. I don't even know about. Um, so it was interesting. On the other hand, you just did Rancho Gordo. A big article in the paper this morning about Rancho Gordo. Oh, really? Really good article. Yeah. Okay. Well, great Steve company. Sando, who runs it, is he does a great job in all heirloom beans and. Well, yeah. the beans you gave me made incredible cassoulet. Yeah, if you ever and you can go on um, their website. He does little videos on how to cook the beans, especially now. Oh, you know what I was thinking? Because I got an Insta Pot for Christmas, and so people think of beans as like kind of a pain in the ass because it takes so long to cook them. But with this Insta Pot, you literally, if you soak the beans ahead of time, you can do them in like eight minutes. But if you even if you don't soak the beans, they're done in like twenty minutes, half an hour. Um, and people are always wondering what to do with those Insta Pots. You can make yogurt, you can cook chicken, do stews, but beans are really good. And the cook them. That's a great idea. And cook yeah. them on Sunday, and then you have them in the fridge. And then anytime you just want to throw some beans, bean salad, be, I mean, whatever you want to do, just throw beans in. They're already duck. Done. Duck, right? <laughs> I know. Got to have duck with beans, yeah. man. That's perfect. And uh, yeah, shout out to um, uh, Bottle Barn. I'm going to head there tomorrow or the next day and buy a thousand dollars worth of wine for a wine tasting coming up for my wife's company how so, fun yeah I'll, how, yeah, how are fun. you gonna approach this a thousand dollars i was gonna wine. say yeah i was just Not up bad. there i uh, one bottle of screaming eagle of and a case of yellowtail it's right. gotta be <laughs> right it's gotta be like three to four cases so we're gonna have to work it out between sparkling rosé 
lighter white, white with some body and weight to it. Well, lighter some of style this, red and deep, deeper dark style red. Some of this, uh, these gruners, these, you know. Basically, this is what Brian gruner. dreams about. When Brian falls asleep at night right. with a smile on his face, he's dreaming about going to a bottle barn with $1,000 and putting together a wine list, basically. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Sounds I fun. like your dreams, Brian. Sounds I like fun. them. Good thing. Bart? Um, uh, uh, you know, again, continued thanks to everybody out there that um, uh, follows the wine podcast. I, I got a couple emails this week, um, people signing up for my mailing list. And when I write them back to find out where they heard about it, it's been all about the podcast. So awesome. thank you guys very much. Cool. Um, Brian uh, will be joining me on Saturday, February 16th. Get right up in the San microphone Francisco. there, Bart. Sorry. There you go. Uh, I took my headphones off. I, <laughs> um, Saturday, February 16th at the San Francisco Chronicle uh, uh, Wine Competition Grand Tasting. Um, if nothing else, it is a party. Well, is that um, open? We'll just put it that way. Can you just buy tickets for yes, that? Yes, you can. Okay, it's Tickets not just are for, for sale. Okay. Um, it's, it's open to the public. The first hour and a half is for trade and industry, but really it's all about when they let the gates open and... Um, the masses come in and yeah, so great tasting. It's great tasting. Yeah. Um, we like it cause our table typically isn't that busy so we can take turns going around and tasting and, uh, catching up with a bunch of, yeah, I was going to say stuff. pretty much say hi to friends and drink their wine. Right. Exactly. Uh, do you want to talk about, um, How Maureen many? and Sonoma Vintners and what's coming up? Uh, so this year as well? yeah, you know, um, so Sonoma, we gotta just get her back on and talk signature. Huh? We're, we're going to end up doing a couple things with signature because I've asked Maureen, um, well first, um, we're going to have Antonio Galliano, um, Galoni, sorry, Antonio, <laughs> not that he's, he's not listening yet. Um, we're going to have him on to come and and um, talk about this map that he's doing of uh, uh, Sonoma map. Valley. Changes, game-changing map. The game-changing map. Yeah. And we'll talk about Signature Sonoma with, with them. And then I asked her if she could maybe put us in contact with uh, Mike Officer from Carlisle. Um, cause oh, cool. he, they are participating. Yeah. Um, well, and we're in, doing something with the Rossi ranch. Correct. So we can, I can, we can, we can reach out to, yeah. So, to the um, too. and that's a bottle I picked up, um, at bottle barn this week was a bottle of, um, Carlisle Rossi ranch Grenache. Oh, right. they're they more bad there. kicks. Uh, yeah. 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 It's funny. It's in a Bordeaux bottle, but yeah, yeah no, that's all right. <laughs> hey, can I set a There's quick, no AOCs um, here. Just somebody was, um, posted something of yours I think it was the Valeria, and there was question about what bottle it was in. March of Maycumber from Women in Wine. Oh, so yeah, was, uh, what bottle was it? Well, no, it, what it was, it was it was Marsha. Marsha posted it, and um, James Marshall Barry, Barry um, said that it was in the wrong bottle in jest, and. Um, <laughs> And it just started a conversation. James I Michael think Barry likes funny. to just drop Facebook bombs and see how many right. thousand comments he can get exactly. on them. God bless him. He's a controller. I work with his son, actually. Yeah. Um, can I set a quick intention for you guys for this year? What I would really love to see is one of your wines in a major motion picture <laughs> that's released in theaters where, you know, product placement. And I don't know how we can go about this. I think Robert Kamen might be able to help us with this. Did you see his Instagram post? Is he in Tokyo or some shit? Robert Kamen is posting on Instagram? I saw a Kamen bottle, and it, they looked like they were going to saber it with like a guy. He looked like a samurai, and he had this huge sword, and it was, it was like a bottle of cab. This is on their Instagram account? I, I, it must have been. Damn you, algorithm. I didn't see it. 
So, you know, I actually... Um, but I, I think if we have enough people out there, uh, I really would love to see a bottle of Dane Cellars or 16600 oh, or Japan. both in a movie. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll maybe our right guest in that. February will be able to help us with that. <laughs> Psalm 4, does that count? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see a show on, I think, I don't know, maybe Netflix called Succession? Succession. Where it was an old guy in media, um, huge conglomerate, and the kids wanted to take over. And there was a Shen Blue in there, and they put it. They put it out. Then they also mentioned a um, uh, a movie that they were in. So you guys go ahead. And you know, tie this up. well because I so I worked at I'll Ken. I, I worked at Kenwood. Here's like a couple bottle bottle Nicole Rolet while I when I grow up. <laughs> so yeah. when I worked at Kenwood, um, they used a bottle of Kenwood Chardonnay in. It was the Tom Cruise movie about um, him being a lawyer. And and he and he oh, gets I know part, part, the firm, he, the firm, the firm. and yeah. he gets Grisham. he gets um he gets the job and they bottle bottle they buy a bottle of wine and it's a bottle of Kenwood Chardonnay and the tagline is and it's got a cork in it <laughs> <laughs> and so they tried to market that with buttons that said it had a cork in it and in the same year there was um, a bottle of Kenwood Jacklin and Cabernet made the um That's made cool People label. magazine. And it was a picture of the guy from um, uh, the guy from uh, a, a, a band out of uh, Seattle, and he was drinking it out of the bottle. Um, and oh, it was Eddie Vedder. Yeah, it was Pearl but, Jam, but right? the but the article unfortunately was about his heroin addiction, and he had been arrested for drunk driving again. <laughs> Solid. Um, uh, but not it, necessarily what you want. Turning leaf. Right. <laughs> when you're in the when you're in the wine business or, or you're into wine, you you notice more in movies and in TV shows when people are drinking wine. Like I can pick out a label. I was out to dinner the other night, and I, like three tables over, I can pick out the Kistler, or you can pick out the, you know what I mean? You you get to know these things. But I think um, one of my favorite placements was that movie Disclosure with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas, yeah. where the whole sort of crux of um, of the the lawsuit was based around the fact that she had had her secretary buy a bottle of Paul Meyer Chardonnay at, at like a little liquor store down the street and everyone knew that was complete bullshit because it was a highly allocated wine and there was no way that you could get in a liquor right. store so it was obviously premeditated and demi moore went down for that whole thing but i, I love that kind of stuff so yeah i want to see uh, movie producers out there i just want to find that liquor store we will right. will you guys uh, you guys willing to send two bottles to a producer or director that wants to put it in the movie i'll send a case i don't care Oh, here we go. Step it up. What yeah, about you, Bart? Yeah, we'll send it. Yeah. But okay. who? I'm not going to send it just blind box to some studio in Los Angeles somewhere. Oh, I mean, we might have it'll to do never that. Right. make it. It might end up on the wrong website. <laughs> <laughs> Are we thinking Stormy Daniels movie? This movie might have a little, you know, that's still, that's still, um, that's, that, would that count? Would that satisfy your <laughs> intentions for 2019? No, no, I, I'm looking know, for something a little this bit. This might be a good bigger. time to say uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> well, hey, well, no, Sam Absolutely. didn't get a chance to close out. Go I got nothing the, after that. Don't no, no, that. <laughs> no vinyl Sunday going on. No, no, you know, I'm about to have a baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you kind of put the brakes on. On yeah. Joan's birthday. That's what they say. Huh. It's no. never one. Never. never. Remind no. us again. It's my kid. It's going to be late. Don't what's, worry. What's the date again? February seventeenth. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. It'll be March. It's my kid. No, it'll be February nineteenth. That's Dane's birthday. Oh, 
See, he throws down on a date. Really, really cool. A lot of Februarys out there. Right well, them, you know, so. there's a whole bunch of people who with, as you know, this Sam um, with uh, having babies. Uh, yeah, right around here. There's a I Sonoma think. baby boom happening right yeah, now. I mean, our friend Todd Jolly is right. Um, Our friends the uh, from that. Desire Lines, yep. Cody and Emily. They got to nice. be right yeah. around February also. They're right after us. They're March. Yeah. Yep. Kyle Harristy's having another right. baby. Yeah. Our first ever guest on the Winemakers Podcast. Is that right? I think Very so. Cool. We should yeah. probably get him back to see what the hell he's up to. Yeah, that would be really entertaining. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much from the atmospheric river in Sonoma, California. Drink more Grenache. <laughs> Drink more everything. Enjoy, everybody. We are the winemakers. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Bart. Thanks, Brian. See you guys next week. Peace and love.